0: on Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your smart air conditioners or heat pumps or whatever the heck you have to beat the heat that is pounding Canada. Global warming is not a myth. I'm sorry. Just accept that and know that it needs to be worked on. So I don't have to sit here in the bare minimum of clothes with multiple fans pointed at me. So if you hear any buzzing in the background, it's just me trying to keep my recording equipment from melting. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. I'm back for a Feel Good Fan Friday edition of the podcast. Feel good because the Blue Jays... Snap the Red Sox, six-game streak, beat them 8-5. Ryan Barucky gets run support, which is always a good thing. And, yeah, it was a much more pleasing game to watch. From a fan perspective, Rick Porcello got roughed up again by the Blue Jays, which is awesome. That's, like... He's got a 22.50 ERA in his last two starts against the Blue Jays, which is hilarious. That's like Matt Dermody numbers. That's Glenn Sparkman numbers. So, you know, he's a Cy Young winner. <laughs> but yeah, just it was it was nice to see that kind of game from the Blue Jays last night. And I was talking with official Red Sox correspondent of the podcast Brandon Moore at Rock Chalk Town. And he noticed Priscilla was again having problems with his control against the Blue Jays. And he noticed that, you know, Smoke capitalizing early was going to lead to good things for Toronto. Getting those early runs was going to lead to good things. And no, it wasn't just Smoke. Randall Gritchuk had a big home run for the second straight day. And by big, I mean colossal, like, off upper decks of the stadium. And Brandon noted that as well in in his report when we were going back and forth. Grichuk noted uh, to be better away from St. Louis. So Grichuk's getting notice from other fan bases, which is good to see. It's, It's something that I mentioned before, that seeing these guys hit is going to be key for the Blue Jays moving forward. Seeing Grichuk hit, seeing Travis hit. Lesser so Morales and Smoke, but if Smoke stays with the Blue Jays, which I'm in favor of Smoke staying with the Blue Jays, and I think he's in favor of it as well, it it gives them a solid base to build upon for when, you know, the younger guys start getting integrated next year. Actually starting to get integrated this year with Thomas Panone being called up yesterday and word that Sean Reed Foley is going to make the start for the Blue Jays on Monday. Which is great. It's what the Blue Jays should be doing as opposed to going to these bullpen games that just, you know, are ridiculous to try and watch. And that was another thing that came up, was trying to watch the bullpen game on Thursday. Again, this is the episode that I turn over to you, the fans. You get my mentions on Twitter you talk about what you want to talk about and, you know, I'm good for a debate. I'm good for commenting. So we go back and forth and this came up in a conversation with Shiny Pants at Shiny Pants. Very simple name. I, I appreciate it. So I noted that it's tough to win games when you can't trust the pitcher to not give up a run when they hit the mound. But... Shiny Pants actually made a very good point in that kind of construction of a team. And they said, to the credit of Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, they've managed to cobble together decent bullpens year after year. No reason to think that they can't repeat the magic in 2019, and there's some decent talent in the pipeline. And Shiny Pants is 100% correct. The Blue Jays did a great job of identifying players that would candidates for bounce back seasons your tyler clippards your john axford's Song Juano. they've been great at identifying these guys and also pretty good at developing arms that can potentially be useful now i don't think they're using any of those right now because they are relying on guys like jake petrica who's on a one-year deal on luis santos who could be good but doesn't really have that kind of pedigree danny barnes who's a 26 round pick I've seen good things in Danny Barnes, but he hasn't been able to find them lately. But there is hope coming up from the pipeline. Like, for all the attention that guys like Sean Reed Foley and TJ Zoit get, uh, Zach Jackson's a really good prospect from a relief standpoint in there. Um, Nate Pearson could go either way, depending on how his stamina is. He could be that dominant reliever, or he could be a good starter. Blue Jays are still figuring out what to do with Nate Pearson. Uh, Connor Fisk has had a really good year at Buffalo. There are options for the Blue Jays to continue building that bullpen. They can give Tim Mays a regular run. Uh, Panone could be in the bullpen if he doesn't make the rotation this year or next year. They do have so many options, and there will be options on the market as well if they want to get veteran arms who they feel can bounce back. I, I don't have that in front of me that that's probably going to be a winter episode of locked on blue Jays, but you know, I, I have faith that the bullpen can be rebuilt. It's tough to watch it right now. It's tough to watch Joe Biagini pitch like he did every year, other than 2016. It's, it's tough to watch Jaime Garcia have to go out there just to mop up innings, but you know, it's part of, of what this team has to do to kind of rebuild itself. And that also came up in the news today with the revelation that John Gibbons does not want to be around for a total rebuild. And I totally understand that. Gibby was responding to the speculation that his job was on the line, that he could potentially be fired, which uh, I heard Dan Shulman on the fan last night talking about how it didn't make sense. And yeah, it really doesn't make sense to fire Gibby in a lost season. You you fire a manager when you're trying to shake up the team and get it to play better in the hopes of making something. You don't fire someone when you're already like 20 games out and it's not going to make that much of a difference. And uh, Rab Kors at Robin Kors also defended Gibby. Um, uh, Rab said that he's putting guys out there to do a job and they're not getting it done. No consistency at all from any of them. And that's been the case with a lot of their younger players. You see T Oscar Hernandez in the outfield making repeated errors. You see Lourdes Gurriel doing really good but then getting injured. You see Aaron Sanchez unable to stay on the mound. Um just there's been such misfortune around this team. I I said that you wonder in a different circumstance if they weren't so snake bitten with injuries, if they had Josh Donaldson for a full season, if Randall Grichuk hit immediately, if Kendris Morales hit immediately, Devin Travis hit immediately. If they had these pieces earlier in the season, you wonder what they might've been able to do, but that's how baseball works. You, you essentially load up your cup with as many dice as you can and hope you don't hit snake eyes. But you know, it is what it is. And I, I appreciate Rab taking taking that step to defend Gibby because that's that's been the big thing. Like, none of this can really be put on John Gibbons, but it's, it's similar to Dwayne Casey with the Raptors. Someone's going to take the fall for this and the front office doesn't want it to be them. So Gibby is probably going to have to wear it. And he seems fine with it. He doesn't want to be around for a rebuild, so he's more than content to go back to San Antonio, go back to his porch, maybe have a job within the organization, scout some PCL games for the, uh, when the missions are playing someone. And yeah, I, he's earned the right to do that on his terms, and the Blue Jays seem like they're going to give him those terms, which I think is best for everyone, that Gibby gets that shot to kind of move on, and, and enter the next phase without having that sword coming over. I think he knows it's coming. He knows he's not Shapiro and Atkins guy, but you know for what he's done for the 11 seasons he put in as manager of this team, he's earned the right to call his own shot. So I think that's the position that the Blue Jays are in with that. Let's talk about the position that the Blue Jays are in with their closer, as well as the position that last night's winner is... With his nickname right after this. Okay, so one of the bigger things that came up on Twitter this week was the performance of Ken Giles in that game, in the the opener against Boston where he gave up five runs in an inning on a pair of home runs. He pitched last night, came out for the ninth inning, gave up another home run, Uh, This time, two Mookie bets to complete the cycle for Mookie, which, again, you know, a home run hitting team like Boston, you, you kind of forgive home runs. Like, especially, like, every Red Sox fan, once they knew they weren't coming back in that game, every Red Sox fan was just rooting for the Mookie cycle. And he got it. He got the first one of the season. And I'm fine with that. I'm Good for Mookie. Good for the Boston fans. It it doesn't obscure the fact that that was a good bullpen performance from the Blue Jays last night. Jaime Garcia did his job. Tyler Clipper did his job. Ryan Tapera had a great bounce back outing. needed seven pitches to get through his inning spotless. So that was great. But then Giles gives up the home run. And, and people are confused about how they feel about Ken Giles. And I... I told him don't be wishing for Osuna back because that garbage person does not be, need to be on his team. But what I found more, more troubling was hearing Buck Martinez and Pat Tabler on the broadcast questioning whether or not Giles would be out there for the night. And that is absolutely the mentality that the Blue Jays cannot have when dealing with Ken Giles. There's absolutely no reason To be playing with his mind. That was the problem in Houston. He had a couple bad outings in non-save situations. And Houston thought he was broken. And they just messed with his head. And it just started wrecking him. And for Buck and Pat to be openly questioning that when there's absolutely no reason to take him out of that role that that role that he's supposed to be in because like who are you putting ryan tapera ryan tapera proved he's not a ninth inning pitcher do not make him one just because ken giles had a bad outing ken giles is going to be the guy who the blue jays count on and i think the fans realize that and the fans agree um lucky stars at bright skies 99 said exactly can't believe they're questioning it last thing you need to do is tell him you doubt him after a terrible outing and one of the best things about john gibbons is that he's never been a guy to be reactionary to a single outing a single bad outing he'll react to good outings he'll reward players like he moved devin travis up in the lineup he put randall gritchuk in that cleanup spot he'll reward players for good outings but he's never been one to be reactionary and pull people for bad outings and to instantly demote Giles like that. Like he demoted Tyler Clippard after like three or four outings. Like it, when it's consistent and you're blowing games, that's when you can make the move. Ken Giles didn't blow anything last night. Mookie Betts got a hold of a good pitch and the AL MVP put it over the wall. There's absolutely no reason to do that. And Christopher Bradley at C Bradley 2928 who I misspelled in my tweet on Tuesday uh he was a contributor to the 2018 Lockdown Blue Jays podcast, podcast playlist, which I need to give him full credit for. And I, I apologize for that. But he also said, no better scenario than the one the Blue Jays are in for Giles to straighten things out. And that's exactly it. There is no reason to be trying to mess with things. You're, you're not chasing down anyone. Do you want to chase down the Rays for third? No. What does that accomplish for anyone? If Ken Giles is going to get back to being that dominant World Series-winning closer, he needs to be able to work things out in in peace in his element. So keep throwing him out there in the ninth. Keep letting him dial up those heaters because that, again, is what the Blue Jays need. Uh, Johnny B. Good on Twitter saying he brings that high heat. That's what you want in a closer. That's that is what the fans want in a closer is, is a guy who can do that. The blue Jays haven't had guys like that. They have a lot of guys who rely on contact. So having a Ken Giles who can put 98 miles an hour by a guy who can use that wipeout slider, which we did see a little more last night, he was using the slider later in counts, which I think is crucial for his success. He has to be willing. Once he gets ahead. O two, 2 if he locates his fastballs, gets ahead. O two, 2 he has to be willing to waste a pitch. Like that slider going down in a way and getting guys fishing. Which ask the Blue Jays batters how that looks. But the way he was able to get Benintendi, the way he's able to get Moreland last night, that's the Ken Giles you want to see. That's the Ken Giles who's going to be most effective as a closer. And he can't be afraid of like giving home runs up to Mookie Betts in meaningless outings. So So that that's where we'll move on from that. The final thing I want to talk about is the announcement of the Players' Weekend nicknames. They came out, and, you know, Blue Jays were relatively tame. A lot of them, you know, similar to last year. You had, like, Moki and, and Bringer of the Rain. Marco Estrada went Estratosphere, which got high praise. Not, not Brad Boxberger with his emojis, but still pretty good. But, you know, a lot of tame nicknames. And then a couple names that did not have nicknames... Uh, one being Sam Gaviglio, who probably didn't have one on the ready. And then the other being Ryan Barucki, last night's winner. And Barucki is the one that got more attention because, you know, he's been arguably the Blue Jays' best pitcher since the All-Star break. So I asked some people what they thought Ryan Barucky's nickname be, should be. And I got some responses. Um... Anonymous Source, who goes by at Miles Higgins, so maybe anonymous, who knows, went with rookie Rucky, R-U-C-K-Y, but pronounced Rookie. And it, it continues on a trend that I've seen a lot of people playing on that Rookie part, which is great for this year. It's, it's great for this player's weekend. If they do it for other player weekends, then obviously they'll have to figure out something else because he won't have his Rookie status, but... um. Embrunet at Frenchy Lexus 2 just said stretch, you know, you go up to a guy Barucky's tall, he's 6'4", which is my height, which means I can look him in the eye, so that's cool. But uh, you know, a simple nickname like that pretty effective. Um, David McLaren at Dave EK42 suggested bokeh, you know, uh, again, it's it's kind of you know, like a rod and camo and that and that kind of thing. Which the K makes sense. I do like that vector being in there. Um, my offering that I came up with was the tower, which kind of plays into his height and you know the CN tower being right outside. You know, he's kind of towering over his opponents. He's he's not letting him get their breath. So I I thought that was that was a decent one, but. Uh, Apparently, it's not a problem because um, friend of the podcast, um, Leslie Mack, at Leslie underscore nope, she asked uh, Ryan's brother Matt, who is on Twitter, um, and Matt confirmed that there is a Players Weekend nickname for Baraki, and that it will be visible, and that it is spectacular in Matt's words, you can find him at the Matt B. Which, if two heads are on it, I hope it's strong. I I want Ryan Barucky to have a nickname that's worthy of what he's been able to do for the Blue Jays. I, so much better than just throwing his name out there. Like, like I mean, even Thomas Pannone probably has like Pizza Man or something. So, I am interested in this. I know other fans are interested in this. And I want to see what the Peruckys have come up with. And I will be very happy to see it. Um, But yeah, just wanted to end with that kind of, you know, happy, feel-good story. At the end of a Feel Good Fan Friday edition of Locked on Blue Jays, episode 89 of the podcast. We're getting close to 100. And I do have things in the works for that. So... Yeah, if you want to be a part of future Fan Fridays on the podcast, follow me on Twitter at neoac18. That's neoac18. Getting my mentions, getting a discussion, and you can be like so many others have been, and be a part of this podcast. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Locked On Jays on Twitter to get regular updates on when the podcast is live. I didn't put it out yesterday cause I didn't get it out until like seven. So that was during the game. I didn't really want to, you know, be like, Hey, turn away from the game and listen to me. So that's on the podcast feeds, which you can subscribe to on iTunes and Google play. Make sure you don't miss an episode because they come out daily. They will continue to come out daily during the season. And I will continue to put out content for you, the fans. Cause again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Y'all are what keep me going. You keep me doing this podcast for you. It's great to have that interaction. Great to have those conversations with you all. I really appreciate it. And look forward to continuing it in the future. So for everyone here at Locked On Blue Jays, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.